Um, we're just going to start with a brief introduction. So welcome to this Black Girl Podcast. I am one half of your Lola, Miss Lola, aka Lola. And I am the other half of your co-host, the lovely, wonderful Miss Hildiva at the Hildiva on IG. And today we're coming at you with a very special guest. We're so happy to have Mr. Clement Dwyer with us. Can you introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Clement Dwyer, and I am so happy to be part of this this awesome podcast. I'm looking forward to to listening to you ladies and interacting and just connecting. Wonderful. Of course. Well, um, I would love for you to give our just in full transparency as we like to be I personally know Clement we had mostly a professional relationship co-workers we still stay connected so thankfully once this opportunity came for us to come together again I obviously I jumped at the opportunity he reciprocated we love to see it um but my ourselves and the audience know exactly um what is it that all right, my name is Clem Dwyer, and what I do is I am a public speaker coach. So what I do is I, I, I like to, to help people out learning how to not necessarily be a public speaker, but learn how to speak in public. So that's giving you the tools and techniques that you can acquire to help you in life, in business, and just to help you. To, we all have confidence. It's just sometimes you need to unravel it. So with what I do is I, I help you to unravel that confidence and let it shine by giving the, the confidence and tools that you need to be able to speak and share your voice. Hmm. I love that. So, okay, so how long have yourself like, speaking, um, doing like public, public speaking in general and or coaching? Seven years, so seven years that I've actually officially have been helping people, mentoring and coaching. And to actually, mm-hmm. actually started opening up when I was teaching junior highs. So that's kind of where a lot of the, the background comes from, which is why it's it's easy to, for me to adapt to people want to change subjects. And because junior high kids, they don't, stay on, they don't stay on track. So if you can learn to deal with them, you can learn to deal with adults. So it's been seven yeah. strong years. That's amazing. So teaching junior high the way that must have been like a, an experience because I can remember back to junior high and us kids like I know that some teachers want to whip out their belts. I'm telling you that. <laughs> so <laughs> how did you how did you cope with that? And like, was that what kind of fueled you to go into public speaking? Like seeing, you know, certain kids that couldn't do presentations and, you know, because I was one of those kids that I love doing presentations. Whenever there was presentation, like I'm like, good, I'm there the night before, have my stuff ready. And then some of my friends, like their knees are knocking, they're shaking and they just hated that, you know? So what was that kind of what fueled you? And did you kind of notice that as well in children that some were just like always really scared kind of thing? Well, what it actually came from was just wanting to invest back in kids' lives. So Mm. a lot of people I dealt with were inner city kids. So they grew up in the same neighborhoods I did, same family dynamics that I did. No, no one really gave them a chance. So when someone spent a lot of time investing in me when I was their age and teaching me how to be authentic, how to have your voice to be able to speak, because I didn't like to be, I did not like speaking at all. Like that, I could tell you that that, that was my worst fear was speaking in front of people. 
But when I could see that I could connect with young kids when everybody else was struggling, because I knew where they were coming from, I started to realize that that's important for them in their young developing life to get the opportunity to have someone teach them, but also for me to also say, all right, now that you've seen what I can do, I want you to do the exact same things. I want to be able to not just stand in front of you, but to give you those tools and then to watch those kids grow up to even now where they're speaking. There's some of them are teachers, some of them are pastors. And they're like, you know, if I hadn't invested in my life, I wouldn't have done this. That's what really spurred me to say that in this world, we need to be able to invest in our young people and get them on track. Because if not, Lord knows where they're going to be. And as, as black men, you're either dead or in prison. Like there's really not many options if yeah. you're not direct on the right track. So that was my right. way to speak to those kids and in poor life and add value to them. Amen. Because I was, I was going to say that, like, in terms of, because you touched on confidence and trying to kind of build that confidence. Because even when I was younger, I was so shy when I had to, like, go to the front of the class because I was nervous. Like, am I going to forget this? Am I going to do whatever? And I, with time, I eventually kind of grew out of it. But I felt a lot of those type of um, inklings when it came to things like um, like work interviews and job interviews where you're sitting in a room and literally people are there to judge you and you're just you're like you know you have the comp like you know you're capable you know you're knowledgeable you know that you've done the job like 10 different but for some reason when it's this panel of people versus you it's kind of hard for people to really kind of step out of themselves and blossom to properly I guess I don't want to say sell yourself but show people who you truly are without having to like I guess warm up to people because that's what people tend to do so um I want to ask you essentially for I guess with um demonstrating that confidence just in general in life, not necessarily with just public speaking, because I'm sure building that confidence and that type of skill can be definitely applied through many, whether it's, um, you know, family gatherings, whether it's dating, whether like for work and things like I guess my question is, what would be your best tip to start to step out of, I guess, that confidence well the number one thing that i learned is don't magnify your weakness that, mm. that that will hold you back is when you keep saying i can't do it i can't do it everyone's gonna look at me if i speak i'm gonna fall apart if i'm gonna sometimes it's in our head and i've heard that a million times and i i, I always tell people nope it's not in my head it's legit they're like no it is it's it's actually true but if you keep focusing on the fact that you're going to fail then you're going to fail if you look at someone right. and say, speak to you, it's something it's having the it's having the tools and the technique. And when you're when you don't have the proper tools, then you don't feel you can do the job. It's it's anywhere in life. If you don't have if someone if you go to work and the person says, I want you to type out this report, but there's no computer there, but they're hounding you, I need to have the report. Well, if you give me the tools and I can do the reports. You, you can't fire me, you can't threaten me to do anything because I don't have the tools. 
once you have the tools and technique and you learn to work with it and you can see that it works and you can have people who give you positive feedback that's the mil- that that helps you so much and that's what my job is to say Leanne guess what I know you're scared of talking in front of people. I guess you can't send a thousand people. Here's two or three things that you can do that's going to help you. And we're going to practice on it. We're going to practice on it. And you'll get the constructive feedback. You'll get the the, the opportunities to do it. Once you have the, the technique and the encouragement, then whatever room you step into, it's wash, rinse, and repeat. Tools, technique. And when you're done, you have to be able to praise yeah. yourself. That's, Sometimes we are our hardest critic. Sometimes we need to be our biggest cheerleader. If you can walk room and go, I knocked it out of the park. You made a lot like that, but I know I gave the best that, that I could and be able to yeah. walk away from that. Amen. I definitely feel that. I've definitely felt, I've had those moments where I knew I walked out of a room and I was like, I did that, all of it, every <laughs> single bit, you know? Yeah. So I, I can definitely relate, but it's just like, it's just so interesting to know that something that a lot of people internalize and um, I guess consider it like a personal fault is also something that they can kind of work out like a muscle to grow and improve. Just because, I don't know, I feel like certain when people are self-conscious or has nervousness or lack of confidence in whatever, fault issue mistake mishap whatever whatever their faults may be um because i know you said to just obviously don't amplify it but like what other ways can somebody kind of i guess build their confidence just because like i have friends um he'll even knows this particular friend i'm not going to say no names but uh she's a bit of a shrinking violet in the sense that like she doesn't like to be the center of attention and she tends to put a lot of her thought process into um oh well i'm not that important oh well no the focus doesn't have to be on me or i don't mind being in the background and and i've always kind of tried to encourage like you can do that's fine but you could also do more than that like don't just settle for that as being your option that shouldn't be your plan a so like what else could you suggest other than um you know being somebody's cheerleader when you see like one of those like shrinking you know those shrinking flower types yeah that's a good that's a really good question yeah i have a friend who's the same way and she'll, Mm -hmm. she'll start a project and she's like well i'm not too sure and I did the encouraging part. And then I stopped and went, you know something? You need to stop this. Like, I just got firm. I said, you really need to stop this because you are destroying the dream that God's given you. This is a slap in the face. You have such a strong voice. You have such a great gift. And you keep doing this to yourself. When you keep telling yourself you can't do it, you are missing out on opportunities. And I started asking, where do you want to be in life? What do you want to do? What's your goal? And then had her thinking it through. And that became it. Instead of keeping saying, "Oh, that's great, that's nice," it, it was too soft for her. What she mm-hmm. needed to hear was, "Listen, you have what it takes. I'm going to walk with you every step of the way. This is what we are going to do." And keep her accountable. Every now and then, I'll pop up and say, "How's your, your charity event going?" Uh, you know, I'm like, "No, we we agree. We're going to keep ourselves accountable." 
sometimes you have to be that friend who has to look at yeah. and say, okay, guess what? This is We have two options. Either A, we go through this, or you stop bringing this up. Because I'm not going to sit here and have you keep telling me, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. After a right. while, it becomes bothersome to me. Stop it. It was the kind of shock that went, Clem, I said, I'm your biggest cheerleader, but I will not sit here and have you throw water on your own dreams and me sit on the sideline and think that's all right. Then don't tell me, and then we'll all be good. That's when she stopped. And it was yeah. like, oh, wow, you're serious. I said, it's your dream, but I don't have to sit here and listen to it. So we, we need to make a, a decision here. That's what you almost need to do is almost persuade that person to make a choice. Do you want to go forward or do you want to stay? Let me know so I know how to be that person in that room. So I can't force you to do anything you don't want to do. Right. I will always encourage you, but I can't sit here and watch you keep talking. You can't do it. You don't want to do it. You can. Just let me help you or we, we won't do it. Either way, I'm still going to be here. <laughs> and that's the thing too I was going to ask um, that kind of does um, span off of that topic but have you ever dealt with someone who for example had like a speech impediment or you know stuttering or something like that that just needed confidence to overcome a, a different kind of disability or you know um, and how would you help someone work through that I am the poster child for a speech impediment because that was me growing what? up yeah that was me growing up it's wow. Oh yeah, I have uh, the quick story is grade three, we had speech, speech presentations and the teacher said, we're gonna have it. And literally I went ghost white and I'm black. So if you're black, went ghost white, <laughs> you know there's a problem. <laughs> Fear, I couldn't sit in front of people because I was afraid that when they looked at me, they were gonna judge me, they were gonna criticize, they were gonna laugh. I felt that my voice meant nothing. It took someone who's a mentor who's like, I call him my father right now. He looked at me and said, we will no longer hear excuses and stood beside me as he put me in position where I had to overcome it. Mm. It took that click to say, hey, I believe in you. If nobody else does and you're in a room, you focus on me. You keep your eyes on me. You know we're going in the right direction. And that's where it turned out. And that's why I went to junior high and I kept making excuses, telling kids, you know, I got speech impediment. That's why I said, don't magnify your weakness because those kids start coming up to me saying, Clem, you keep telling us you have a, you stutter, but we've never heard you stutter. So is this a life lesson you're teaching us? Is this a joke? Like, why do you keep saying this? Right. I had to learn steps in just how to slow down what I was going to say. I don't use four syllable words because sometimes it doesn't roll off my tongue. There are techniques and it's how you introduce yourself to people. And the one thing that I teach people is if you walk into a room with strangers, turn them into your friends. Love it. You don't have a problem talking in front of your friends. It's you have a problem talking in front of people you don't know. Once you get to know two or three people, all of a sudden that fear starts to drop because we're no longer strangers. And it's just... Finding the, the, the rhythm and the words and just being able to slow down and pause. And I tell people, no one knows your speech. So if you pause, then pause. If you do it right, it's a dramatic pause. They're going, oh, he's revving up for something. They don't know you've forgotten something. 
they just think that you're preparing for something new mm-hmm. so okay so this it's funny because talking about speech environment, like i'm surprised because like like i said when i first met you i was just like this is like a really well-spoken confident black man like i love this mm-hmm. i love everything about this person the aura the everything um, but my question for you now is in terms of, cause we've talked about, you know, confidence in friendships. We talked about confidence as a child growing up to an adult. Yeah. Now, my question is very specific in terms of, um, a lot of times, especially in corporate spaces, you tend to be the only token or, you know, the the the, sing, the the standout person of color maybe there might be another one like in our personal space for that small number i was very impressed with the amount of like range and diversity i was like living you know but not everybody's like that not every corporate space is like that and um i definitely felt the pressure to not only perform but also remember that like, I'm here because I know what I'm doing. And how do you kind of, I guess, remind yourself as a person and as a specifically a black person that like, you're like, cause it's, it's hard with politics and everything to feel like, am I here cause I'm the token? Am I here because I'm good? Um, cause I've definitely felt issues. I've been slighted you know, due to the unfortunate levels of melanin in my skin, mm-hmm. um, where you've seen people who look a lot different from you get farther doing absolutely nothing. So it's like, how do you build up that confidence when you're in a workspace, you, you know, it you're it's essentially your livelihood. Like, how do you have the confidence to be like, you know what, what's happening here is not good enough. It's not to my standard. And how do you either work it up to either address it as to like HR or to like an executive person to say like, this isn't okay. Or, you know, I deserve a better raise or, you know, how come this person who's doing less than me is getting paid more than like to be able to kind of have those confidence to address those hard questions in a corporate setting. Wow. That's a loaded question. I know, I know. Diversity <laughs> inclusion being the the sexy beast right now because diversity mm-hmm. was, was not on the topic until George Floyd. Like I can tell you, right? No one spoke yep. about it. And as soon as that yep. happened, everyone in corporate started talking. Oh, we're doing diversity inclusion. We're like, well, where was that mm-hmm. sixty years ago? <laughs> this isn't anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. We'll make it We've been here, <laughs> well, don't right? Make it. We just discover something new. It should have been in, in place. Mm-hmm. Most of the time of every job I've had, I've been the only black man. Yeah. Well, very, very few have I've ever met. The job I have now, I think it's like three of us. Well, there's two of us now because one guy left. But the first thing I realized is I have to dress at a different standard. Like that's that's the first thing. Because when I walk through the door, that's the first thing they see about me is what I look like. Before I utter any word out of my mouth, they look right. and they see but if I dress better than them, then that's one thing off the table. Mm-hmm. So now I think about something else. If I come in there with where I speak, and we talk about code switching back and forth, but just the fact of how I present myself, how I'm friendly, how when I get upset, you don't see me throwing patois and dashing things off the floor. I don't do that. 
How do I speak to customers? Then that's when the walls start coming down because unfortunately media puts yeah. the umbrella of this is what a black man or a black woman should be. And like, no, I'm not going to be painted by that brush. And right. I've gone up to black people and said, listen, I'm going to tell you one thing. There's two of us in here. Don't embarrass me. Can <laughs> you say it to them? If you do something bad, they come on me. And if I get rained on, you and I are going to have issues. Not the white person, you. Because yep. we need to stand together and realize we are one, whether we like it or not. And funny enough, that was what my partner did, is we both came in dressing like we were the, the managers. We dressed better than our managers. People would look and go, well, why are you dressing? Said, if you were a black man, you'd understand. Because I have to. So when we walk into a room, how do I present myself? I never stood behind HR going to defend me. HR is mostly going to be someone who's white. So they're not going to understand what I'm going through. Right. HR with 99% of you are going to be white. I'm not going to be able to. There's, 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 I don't look to them to do anything. I look to be able to take my, my battle straight to my boss in a polite and dignified manner. Because they're expecting mm-hmm. me to go off and, and become Samuel L. Jackson and start cursing and stuff. That's not who I am. But I, I, yeah. I can speak to you in a mature manner. I can speak to you with confidence if I know something is going wrong. And I have no issues talking to that person. It's only happened once in my life that I went off on someone who was senior because it affected my job. And mm-hmm. that's when the entire workplace got scared because they've never seen me in 14 years raise my voice. Right. When you have a reputation of someone who's calm and respectful. When I do raise my voice, they're like, okay, so someone's done something to upset Clem. Right. It wasn't Clem's upset because he can't, he can't figure something out. If someone has caused this because he's yeah. not this. And it's a battle, it's a pattern. It's not the greatest thing, unfortunately, but that's the battle. I have to walk in there going, you're going to look to try to poke the bear. I know this is what you're Mm -hmm. going to do with your funny jokes, with your microaggression. I get it. I get it. I get it. We're going to play this game. and I'm going to play it better than you because you will get me upset. That's when Mm -hmm. it's not. And the respect, I had people defending me that I didn't even know I was being attacked behind my back. Oh, yeah. That's what you have to be able to do. And it's, it's allies. How do I, if I treat you with respect for a long period of time, you're going to feel guilty if you're going to try to stab me in the back. It's just mm-hmm. it's yeah. difficult for most people to do it. And one thing about that too, it's like with jobs and stuff, like mm-hmm. HR is there for the business. It's to defend the business. You know what I mean? So a lot of times you want to raise, you go to HR, HR is like, I have the budget or, you know, yeah. it's not in our books. We can't bow. Like, like HR is just there to defend the business against any attacks really, instead of you. We're taught right. as employees that HR is there for us, but no, right. it's their back pocket. They just, HR is the ears to the ground for the business. So that no one <laughs> want. okay? Let's be real here. And it's funny because um, even talking about, um, you know, when you go to a job and presenting yourself nicely and stuff like that, for me, it's always the, um, like, I would always dress nice and like that. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. But I've always had a, a, a funny relationship with my name. Okay. So my birth name is Hilda. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm Hilda the Diva, so Hilda Diva, okay? Now y'all know the birth of my name, Hilda Diva. <laughs> but my sisters all have these beautiful, exotic names, okay? But I got my two grandmother's names as my first and middle name, Hilda, and then my middle name, which is another granny name, okay? So I used to hate it so much. I'm like, oh my gosh, my sister's got like this nice name, that nice name, all these nice exotic names. And I get freaking Hilda, like I sound like some granny. But when it came time to have an interview, they're coming in the interview room, looking at everyone, all the candidates, and they're looking for Hilda. And they're walking past me, left, right, Hilda, Hilda, Hilda. I'm like, I'm right here. And they see me, my black backside. One man actually said to my face, you're Hilda? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I was looking for a tall Dutch girl. I was like, oh my God. But I'm like, thank God, because that name gets my my resume looked at. And then when I show up professional dress better than them, and they see me speaking that, slapping down them that 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 Webster's dictionary on them backside, then they, you know what I mean? I always get the job. Like I never yeah. went to an interview I didn't get, you know? So right. it's just funny that, you know, it, it definitely is about the way you carry yourself. You have to over, it's kind of sad that we can't just be regular, schmegular. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. We got to yeah. overshoot to get our shot, you know? So. Right. <sighs> definitely. No, just when you said like the, the overshot, it hit me. It hit me a lot harder than I expected to. Because mm -hmm. like a lot of sayings say that a lot of um, black people have to work twice as hard to get half as far. Mm -hmm. And I I deeply resent it. I deeply yeah. resent it because like I will be in an office setting of some sort and I'll see somebody coming in having like, you know, executive hours without the executive position or the executive position without doing any executive work. Mm -hmm. And like and it was just like it was just so it was just sad. It made me sad because it was like you know, this opportunity could have been given to somebody who could be doing so much more with it, could be taking the company so much farther, expanding things, but because you want to keep a certain social circle or you're worried about what the face of this department's going to look like, you're allowing somebody to, to like, to run a department who doesn't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like, I'm going to say something. I'm going to watch both your eyes because I already know your eyes going to pop out of your head. I had met somebody who was an executive. Like when I say executive, like um, not C-level, but definitely B-level, who over the span of two years had not contributed a single report. A single, <laughs> yeah, a single quarterly report. Wow. Um, like, the closest thing that came to a financial report was literally a one-page basic Excel sheet. Wow. That showed, like, balances and charges. Like, something you'd learn in grade nine accounting. Stop it. Stop. I and was, then, I, I'm done. And getting paid six figures, wasn't he? Yep. Oh. I'm done, Steve. Yeah. It's and the joke was, they weren't even doing those reports. It was somebody else in a junior position no so they wow. the at all yeah. <laughs> and i wish i could say i'm surprised you know and i don't even want to ask you if this person's a minority because a minority couldn't even get away with of course that not. For, for a week never mind of, two years of course not of mm -hmm. course not like literally i've seen 
corporate companies pick somebody with less experience and less background over a seasoned veteran with over a decade of experience because of what she looked like. Yeah. Wow. Like actually what they like despite having great rapport, great customer feedback, experience, education, knowledge, they picked somebody else because they they looked the part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though they wow. didn't know jack nothing. Yeah. Wow. What, what companies are really report to is their shareholders. And if their shareholders are all white men in their 60s or 70s, then of course they want to see someone who's white. I mean, it, 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 it just makes sense. They see someone who's black and they kind of go, where, where is this coming? Or someone who's Chinese. Or even if they see, a, if they're all men and they see a, a woman up there, they kind of go, oh, how does this person get this position? Then they start judging. <laughs> so when right. someone comes in who can, looks like the face of the franchise, yeah, if you know it, yeah. Well, um, I want to I ask, where is that disconnect then for people to, 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 to look at somebody else and instantly have no confidence in their abilities without knowing them like where where can you stay as a professional who teaches about like you know speaking and having confidence like where does that disconnect come from it's just ignorance i mean really it's, it comes down from ignorance and the way that you're taught in in business and that is it's it's the if you plant if you see an apple tree you're pretty sure as an apple seed is where is where it first started. You don't plant an apple seed and get an orange. Just it just doesn't make any sense. So if that seed is planted, that these are the certain people that are supposed to be seed level, then yes, then that's the generation. And until the company decides to stop and make mm-hmm. a change, and unfortunately, the only way that happens is the, that whole shareholder staff has to retire or all die. And you have to put a whole new crop of fresh-minded, but it won't because that junior executive is watching how the seniors act, and that's who's teaching them. So when they right. senior, guess what? That's all they know. So someone has to make it. No one wants to make that change because it's going to shock the company. What will it do with with? Because again, if shareholders don't get what they want or don't see what they want, and they pull the plug, no one has any jobs. So. Right. Right. I'm oh, sorry. I yeah. interrupted you. Go. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So I was going to ask. This is going to be an off-topic. Yeah. Just a question about the world. Okay. Um. Because because we touched on George Floyd. We've touched on you know biases and stuff like that when it comes to hiring and things like that. Let's talk about something a little recent. Okay. You know that. In London, Ontario, that family that recently was literally plowed into um, with this vehicle. Like, I'm so, I am so upset about this happening. Cause, um, so Jugmeet Singh, the leader of the NDP party, party, is he the leader right now or whatever he is? Yeah. Um, He's like, low key my boo he's been my like secret boo for like years okay <laughs> i'm telling you nobody knows he has no idea but he's my secret bay in my head for like over a decade now since before he had grays okay he looks better with the grays okay side note but 
he gave a speech in parliament that was apparently very fiery. He expressed anger like he just put down his politician cap and just put on that real-ish cap, okay? And he told it like it is. And he did claim, like, you know, Canada is a racist country. You know, he he said a lot of jarring things, okay? A lot of things that we sweep under the rug and pretend that isn't there. Right. A lot of just very blunt, blunt rhetoric, okay? And when I first heard it, it gave me a negative, um, like, a negative chemical went through my body, like, ooh, you know? But then I thought about it, and I said, the reality is, yes, racism is everywhere. You know, like, how can we keep operating this way, you know? And a lot of people, like, I was watching the Twitter feed, and a lot of people were like, you know, he's playing a dangerous game, and, you know, he's talking like this. How is Canada a racist country? And it's like, for me, I'm shocked. Like, what do you feel about that whole issue? You know, when you heard about it, what was your reaction? I I, I do have a reaction as well, but I want to hear from you two as well first. Um, The only thing I will say is I don't understand how people can question Canada as a country being racist. After literally just last week, we found over 200 indigenous children's bodies in the ground. Like, I just, like, I don't understand how people can be like, ooh, and have a question mark when, like, things that we've known to be an occurrence and we've known to happen are still happening. Mm -hmm. You know, there are there are systematically racist um, structures and practices that are happening in the city of Toronto. Like a lot of people talk about this one restaurant called Cactus Club, where if you are a little too melanated, half the time they don't let you in unless you're dressed in a super specific type of way. You know, they don't hire certain colors to work there. Like they have this whole code of things like that like i've heard a lot of stories come out of there but they're not the only place and there's a lot of people on the street if you have interactions or whatnot where you know they're completely disrespectful like i remember myself personally when i was younger i was downtown i had interacted with a homeless man who was begging for um spare change to buy a coffee Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have the spare change. I literally just had bus fare to go home. And so mm-hmm. I said to him, I'm like, I don't have any money, but I have a roll up the rim of free coffee. Why don't mm-hmm. you just take that? He's like, oh, I'd rather have the money. And I'm like, well, I don't have it. You said you wanted a coffee. I'm giving you a, a, a method to get coffee. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, oh, well, you know, F off you end. And what? I was like, a homeless man okay, well, you can you can thirst then like i'm gonna take mm-hmm. my free coffee and keep moving like right but yeah but it's just like oh it's just the audacity the capacity yeah. let the, me let me stop like, for a second i'm sorry you know <laughs> no girl we have to pause there because are you kidding me a homeless person calling yeah. me an end I'm saying the old me would have felt so insulted, but yo, the me right now, I'd kick him in his teeth, yo. I'm not kidding. I am sorry. I do not condone violence, but I am kicking a mofo in their teeth. How dare you? If he even has any, okay? You're homeless, nothing. Someone's trying to give you something. You could call me an N-word? What? Yo, keep going. Trust me. I was, I was like, I was 
surprised by the audacity and literally oh. like when he was when he said that to me i was just like okay well i'm the gonna go to my home now you enjoy the streets i like walk to the bus stop without the bus because like <laughs> what else is there the what whole lesson i can't deal like, with it I'm, I'm not about to you know i'm not about to argue with somebody who's on the streets probably having like mental health issues drug issues whatever True. issues and so because they're mad that i didn't have extra money for them to go buy like crack or something Mm-hmm, call mm-hmm. me a nigger like so true and then that's how I know I would have been petty Betty at that moment like why am I beating up a freaking homeless person I need to stop I end up on CP24 so people know <laughs> I would not kick him in his teeth I would probably just punch a pole beside him instead okay <laughs> Glennon let us hear you what would you do in these situations my goodness what do you so much think? happened just in the last year just in my life I have noticed that I'm not even surprised anymore. I, I, I'm disappointed, but I'm no longer surprised. It's, it's almost like I, I expect this nonsense to happen. And it's, it's true. People don't think of Canada as a racist country compared to the United States. Because that's who we're very much close to. That's who we neighbor. If you go to Europe and stuff, they're very racist. But you're not going to hear it unless you're there. So we mm-hmm. get our reports from what happens in the U.S. Canada, we're very polite, we're calm, we get swept under the rugs until something like this where 215 bodies are found. And people are going, I don't understand how this happened. And the rest of us are going, yeah, I don't know how you don't know that this could have happened. Like, it, it should mm-hmm. be, but it shouldn't be a shock to you. Right. So when I hear people come up there and insult me and say stuff, I've learned to, and people have said this, they Clem, does really anything phase you? I'm like, here's one thing. I'm not going to let you find what my button that pushes. Because if I do, then you'll know you'll keep pushing. So I've learned right. to respond back. And the way Leanna responded, why I say, well, if you don't want it, you can stay here home on the street. And I'm going to go back to my home. And my home has fresh water. And I have coffee. And right, like, I'm going to go home and bathe. Like. <laughs> <laughs> These are the things where I sit there and go, you're going to insult me, but you don't realize how ignorant you sound right now. Mm-hmm. And I realize that. That has been my defense, is mm-hmm. to tell people, if you want to be ignorant, okay, then we'll walk down mm-hmm. the road ignorant. But when we're done, understand what I have and what you don't have. So mm-hmm. figure out what we're going to fight over. And there's times where I've stayed silent and I... I've, I've joked about people about my, the size of my ears, like they're, they're small. And I've I'll had, say people, yeah, I've had <laughs> people, and my trademark is I'm sitting there, I'm nodding, and then I'll go, oh, sorry, I didn't hear what you said, I had small ears. And <laughs> yeah, sorry, these ears God gave me, it's a filter. I can only see so much, and you've maxed out what you had to say. So I didn't hear a single bit. This, this, this face of anger, I'm sitting there smiling, going, that, oh, are we done? Because I, I, I was a long time ago. It's, it's how you respond to situations. <laughs> because they're, people are just ready to find ways to say, oh, black people are this way. Mm-hmm. No, no, you're forgetting. If a bear won't touch you until you poke the bear. Is uh, it fault that it attacked you? Or is it your fault that you attacked the bear? Right. No one sees the person who started the fight. 
They only right. see you who threw the punch back in response. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I learned that by playing sports. The referee never sees a person who pushes you first. They see the mm-hmm. person who dominated. Always. Always. That rule, I said, all right, I got a chance to walk away. And they can sit there and go, well, you're a coward. Maybe so, but I'm not getting thrown out the game for this. Exactly. Life is a game that goes on, and I don't want to have my name rubbed because you want to be ignorant about this. There's times to fight, but there's times where you gotta sit back and go, "Is it worth it?" Are you exactly? Gonna say, yeah, you, you you're an idiot. I mean, that's the bottom line. Is I'm not gonna play in the dirt with the, the mud. <laughs> right. And that's the thing. Like I was gonna quickly say, like that's what irked me about this whole london um situation because people are giving so much backlash backlash excuse me to jugmeet singh about you know the way he was angry and the stuff he's saying and i'm like are you kidding me you are more upset that has the bravery to stand and and stand up to racism injustice and and complete outright just derogatory behavior murder it's, it's a massacre it's a massacre yeah. you're more like direct that energy to the people that are killing plowing innocent canadians and innocent even if they're not canadian plowing down innocent people direct that yep. energy where it should be going but you're mad at people reacting to murder of innocent people like it's so disgusting and it's so elitist to me people who think they are elite and think that they're better than others they'll be so mad at you how dare you stand up to injustice like just sit and take it like everybody else and your injustice should not jeopardize me it doesn't affect me so you know we'll be mad at you no be inject take all that energy take all that smoke and direct it at the person starting fires how about that well well it's it's funny because like um a lot of people and when I say a lot of people, I usually mean a lot of white people. They have this weird thing that like, let's say that there's an altercation or an exchange and it's, um, you know, like let's say it's between a white person and an Asian person. And then a black person or a Southeast Asian person steps in to help and or defend that Asian person. They're almost like shocked. Like, how are you defending him? He doesn't look like you. Or why are you defending him? He doesn't look like you. Like, I saw a really disgusting video earlier today before Jagmeet Singh made his statement, in fact, of what perceived to be a white man looking out his window and seeing another South Asian family just walking on the sidewalk. And a truck drove by and he started yelling, Ah, you missed! And I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, literally, these are people just walking down the street, living, like, existing. They're not doing anything to you. They didn't rob you. They didn't take your job. They didn't fuck your wife. They're not married to your children. Like, like, literally, these people are just existing in the world. And for you to make such a tasteless comment, like, if that was your family and somebody was ridiculing them, you would want to punch their teeth out. So why can't you have, even if you don't relate to somebody who doesn't look like you, why can't you at least have compassion for what has happened? Right. Because that's the one thing I'll never understand for certain people and for like, and when people make ignorant statements, it's like, 
how like when people say like oh well how can you get along with somebody different from you it's like because i have compassion i have i can relate to somebody else they don't have to look exactly like me be a mirror same height same like i like exactly. just existing we can relate we relate already just by human existing. compassion like it's basic human decency like, is that so basic at all? Like, if, if no one has that, like, how is it common? You know, common sense, it seems not to be so common. You know what I mean? It's one of those. You know what the hard thing about is, is we live in a world where there aren't repercussions for me verbally saying something. There isn't. So if I insult, yeah, I don't... what's the worst that can happen? I'm not going to. This episode of This Black Girl Podcast is sponsored by Anchor. Anchor is a super easy app that allows you to create, record, and edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer, distribute it so it can be heard across multiple listening platforms, allows you to make money with no minimum listenership, and have everything you need all in one place. Plus, it is absolutely free. So to get started today, just download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Are we in? Yes, I'm here. Okay. Okay. So, I'm sorry, what were you saying before? Yeah, so it has to do with repercussions. So, can you hear me? So, hear me? Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah, re- repercussion. We, we know that uh, if I get caught, I'm speeding the repercussions, I get a ticket or I lose my license suspension. If there aren't any repercussions, we'd be racing 200 miles an hour down the street, no problem. Do I fear about hitting someone? Eh, sure, it might happen but nothing bad is going to happen to me. What's the worst that can happen? So we don't have laws that sit there. We like to call this assault if I insult you, but no one's going to jail because I said something to you. Like no, no one's going to lose, no, no, their house will not be taken away from you. So when I hear people who throw words, they don't realize your words are just as powerful as if you took a weapon and physically hurt somebody. You are doing damage. It's just there's nothing that people are doing. So when people know this, we go as close to the wall. If you have kids, kids will push that envelope until they, they, they realize, oh, I can't do that. But if you haven't stopped them from going to point one, they'll go to step two. They'll go, they'll, they'll go to step 50 until something stops them. And yeah. they're going, keep going, and keep going. And the hard yeah. thing is I keep telling people, when you push someone far enough and they react, they won't react in this, they won't respond the same way you started it. So your words may have hurt them. They may take a weapon and kill you. That could be the end result, penting up right. of the fingers. So when you hear things of Jandy going off, this isn't because this, this hasn't happened before. This kind of nonsense happened for years and it needs to stop. And mm-hmm. it's not- Absolutely. Now, the one thing I wanted to touch on before we we all leave each other um is uh one thing that definitely kind of carried across um in my life and i feel like has helped me professionally but has felt perhaps a bit of a hindrance 
um, socially, culturally, and we talked about briefly code switching. Mm-hmm. But growing up in school, um, because I guess I was the more well-spoken black girl and I didn't always know all the hip hop lyrics, black girl. And, you know, <laughs> I didn't follow the, 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 you know, the hood trends, black girl. I was definitely called, you know, a lot of times the Oreo, um, definitely being called whitewash. And I want to address, ask both of you, like how, if, if that was the case, like, did it apply to you? And how do you kind of spilled that confidence to kind of step out of it and be like, you know what? I'm well-spoken and what? I'm employable, bitch. Like, <laughs> You know what the funny thing is? I didn't even... Here's the thing. I did not hear about code switching until last year when we had diversity really? at our workplace. I had always spoken this way. Like, all my friends have spoken this way. We grew up in our neighborhood spoke speaking this way. The only time we threw patwa was when we, we hung around like an older brother or a cousin or an uncle or something like that and we did it for fun. But in general, everybody spoke with perfect you know, the, the degree diction. Nobody, right. so we didn't know what code switching was. So I didn't, I've never heard anybody say, well, you're whitewashing your Oreo. It was kind of, no one ever came oh, up to me and said, so oh, you're well spoken. It, it could have been the neighborhood I grew up, which was mostly all black. <laughs> I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But even coming to college and university and stuff, never heard it until a year ago. And I laughed and I said, you know what the funny thing is? I speak English like everybody else does. This is how I speak. How did you think I was supposed to speak? That's what concerns me is what did you think I was supposed right. to speak? Right. <laughs> this is normal for me. If it's not normal for you, then you have the problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. For me, um, growing up, I actually, like, a lot of my friends were white growing up. So I was always used to being the only black chick, right? So, but my sisters, I went to a different school than my older sisters. They all went to, like, English school. I went to French school. So I remember coming home one day and my own sister, and I have one sister that is half German, so she's half white. And she's mixed, right? So she goes to me, you are more white on your inside than I am on my out. <laughs> and I remember, like, what? <laughs> and she said it again. She's like, and then she was calling me an Oreo, telling me I'm whitewashed. Wow. But I didn't understand what the hell she meant. Yeah. I didn't get it. Because I'm just like, what the hell does it mean to be white? What does it mean to be black? You know what I mean? So when I thought about it, I realized, you know, later on, I realized it was the way that I talked. It was the way that I behaved. But I and then I I never really felt insulted by it because I'm like, I felt more sad for the person saying it, because for you to categorize black people as some sort of lesser education, lesser eloquence, lesser than, that reflects more on you. Kind of like what you were saying, um, Clem, because I felt very much growing up, like I've even had girlfriends low key challenge my blackness, you know, like, oh, um, you know, like I remember having a friend say something like, you know, you, I can't remember exactly what she said, but at the end of whatever she said, I understood her saying like, you know, well, you, you're, you're black, but, but you sound white or whatever the hell she said. But I said to her, my first thing I said to her, well, 
yeah, I feel completely like a black woman. Like at the end of the day, my skin is black. No matter what I do, I'm a black woman. But since you're asking, I can wind up like a black girl. I cook like a black eat my Caribbean food. I can braid hair. I, I dance my body. I listen to my soca music. I go home to a black family. My family, my mother has an accent and I can understand her. We speak Patois. We literally speak a Creole language that only black people in St. Lucia speak. So I feel more black than ever in that I could ever feel, but I can just get a damn good job while I'm at it. So I don't understand. You know what I mean? So if me speaking eloquently or, you know, not rolling my R's or whatever the hell, talking out and blah, 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 makes mm -hmm. me not black. Then what makes me black? Like, I, I challenge you to tell me what being black is, if that's what it is to you. If, if being white is a certain way, what is being black, you know? Right. Because I, I definitely, I dealt with it a lot, kind of like exiting elementary school, but definitely going into high school, just because I had the same instance of you know, a majority of my friends being white. And there was like a group of like black kids who I guess because maybe I wasn't, I didn't show too much interest. I was just like that kind of girl that like lived in let live. And so I don't know what their issue was with me personally, but like they, they resented the fact that like I was well-spoken, that I was bilingual, that like, certain and or that like you know I was hanging out with with certain white circles or some of the popular kids or whatever and so they would try and bully me and say like oh you're so whitewashed you took nothing but an Oreo like you want to be white so bad and I'm like at one point I got fed up and I was just like look I'd rather be you know whitewashed than black trash like you, oh. <laughs> like if, if that's okay. what if that is yeah. what be like i'd rather be that because y'all right. are doing too much like nobody's harassing me but you yeah. right you know like just say you want to be my friend like just keep it up <laughs> you know? so but it was just like it definitely made me feel a little um I don't want to say it, didn't, it made me feel a little less black or that like the black part or whatever, but I felt a little bit more dissociated from my blackness because I didn't have very many black friends growing up. And my family, especially my mom, tried really hard to keep us in an assimilated bubble of like, we're in Canada, this is what the Canadians do, you know, I have to do that. <laughs> like, you know, just how to be proper and all of that stuff. And like, so like growing up, I grew up learning and knowing more about like English and British culture than Jamaican culture, which sounds really ridiculous. Cause like, <laughs> right. Like now I have like a great balance and, and like, I'm happy for it. I appreciate it. It's funny. Cause like now, now, cause I like, I did a whole like ancestry DNA test and stuff like that. And then found out like part of my family is really white. You know? <laughs> And, and so I'm just like, okay, so knowing about that side of my family, like it doesn't take away from my blackness, but it also is part of my culture. So it's like, which, you know, at the end of the day still makes me a black woman. Like, like having that right. British Englishness about me doesn't invalidate my blackness. Right. You know, bring up a lot of um, those kids tried to do. Both you, you ladies nailed it. Black people have, and I, 
I'm pretty sure it has to do with generational of how you would hate yourself just to make yourself feel better. And when you use the terminology, you're whitewashed, it makes you have just devalued yourself by saying you want to be someone that you're not. I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, you're black. You shouldn't speak white. That doesn't make any, doesn't make any sense. You can't, Mm. where you're going with, with this. That right there is when black people will ne- black people as a society will never advance if we keep trying to tear each other down by making foolish statements that say we can never we can never we're here and the white person is here. So we don't want to be up here because that means I have to sell out. What do you mean you have to sell out? No, just, just go to school like the white person did. Learn math like the white person. Remember the white person did. Yeah. It's like they they, they they forget that it's like we're not fighting for a hierarchy they're not it's not a matter of hierarchy where white people are at one level and we're below it's fighting for equality where we're all on the same field and therefore treated and respected the same way because like nobody like aside from the term like i don't know i guess like hick or redneck when white people have different accents, I guess now like the black scent now when you see like white <laughs> people and Asian people appropriating like AAVE and stuff like that, like you never hear about um you never hear about people saying like, Oh, you need to talk like a Caucasian. Why are you talking like a blackie? Or like, you know, like nobody says that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nobody says that despite the different accents and regions and stuff that everybody has. But, and it's like, it's weird to think that like, like, you know, I guess, I guess for people of color, like there's a an Asian way to talk or Asian accent. There's a, a South Asian accent, things like that. There's a black accent, you know, whether it's African-American or just African, but like, there's no accent for white people. So when people are like, oh, you're talking white, I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, there's no accent for them. <laughs> <laughs> and my question, you know, like, make it make sense. <laughs> so I'm going to kind of sum it up a bit with um, respect to what Clement does. I have yeah. a question for parents um, who have kids. Let's say my child's bullied at school, you know, for their, for having an accent and or just has no confidence like what 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 would you say to a parent who wants to you know nurture their child to be confident and be able to speak for up for themselves when they need to what what would you suggest for you know some things that parents could keep in mind when dealing with their kids i know that's kind of into parenting but that's also like if i know that i want them to end up on that right path and be confident and you know a nice strong individual do you have any tips for that when dealing with kids you know what? Well, you know what helps is organized events, and whether it's organized sports or whether it's putting them in an after-school program outside of their own schoolmates, because what happens is the people that they're at school with are familiar with them and know what upsets them, how to pick on them. If you're in a group and everybody is new, you tend not to want to be the person who's the bully. You want to tend to be as right. many possible so if i'm trying to get three friends and you're trying to get three friends we're all going to be friends there has to be a part where that that parent continuously always has to pour into that child knowing that child has a low self-esteem so take the child out invest in the child spend time with that child let the know let the child know that hey 
you don't have an accent, you speak perfectly fine because there are millions of people who have the exact same accent that per- that child has. They're just not good. So you're not the only person who speaks with an accent. We all do. It's how I hear your voice. If I listen carefully, I might go, you know, Hilda, you have an accent. No, it's just certain <laughs> words that you say because you have Creole in you. You have St. Louis, so you have French. So certain words, like my, my, my wife is French. So certain words she'll say that I can hear her, her French accent comes out. She's not trying to be different. Mm-hmm. How they, she hears the word. So when she hears it, goes, well, you have an accent. Because you didn't say bonjour. I say bonjour. Well, you don't say that. <laughs> and we, we can make all kinds of uh, jabs at someone's accent where we should be praised for that. Exactly. Embrace. And that's going to take a lot, depending on how the child is to be put in, order, in a place where the child is not being ostracized. Mm-hmm. And it takes time. It's going to take time. And hopefully through, through development and being that program, a child will realize that their accent, no one hears it. <laughs> they just hear <laughs> voice, <laughs> you know, and right. don't make a lot, uh, don't allude to it. Don't have to highlight it. If the child yeah. knows accent in 10 years, I'll be there. <laughs> right. It's funny because the first time my middle child heard his own voice recorded, mm-hmm. he was like, what? He just, the guy got so mad. He started crying. Yeah. He hated his voice. He hated his voice. I'm like, honey, we all hate how we sound. I'm like, when mommy heard her voice, that's not me. I'm like, that is not me. That's not what I hear in my head. But you're hearing it from inside your skull versus outside of your mouth, you know? So right. it's like, baby, it's going to sound different. That child, he had to do a video, virtual video project for school. And he did not want me sending that thing in. But he finally manned up and we, we emailed it to the teacher. It was so funny. But, so you. you know, that kids. And they don't have a very white voice, and they don't be like, "What's this?" <laughs> <laughs> well, it's starting to get late into the evening, so we'll wrap this up. I want to deeply, deeply, deeply thank you, Clement, for joining us, for giving us different tips, knowledge, inspiration, and if people want to connect with you, whether you know socially, online, email. What is the best way to connect with you to help build confidence and to learn how to, you know, improve their public speaking? All right. Well, my website is www.clementdewire.com. So that's my mm-hmm. full name, last name.com. C-L-E-M-E-N-T-D-W-Y-E-R.com. That's my website. So you'll see yeah. some of my, my, my videos, some of the blogs that I, I put up. You can always email me at my first name clement dot my last name dwyer at gmail.com and through that you can find me on facebook and instagram and youtube you can go to my website you'll get those links so yeah so if anyone is in, interested in finding the tools and techniques that's going to help you to become a confident and a better communicator let me know wonderful Thank you so much, Clement. And we definitely are going to have to go live with you soon, for sure. We do that on Instagram every other weekend or so. And we have a a hoot, okay? So we would love to have you on again and, you know, hoop it up. (laughs) Thank you so much. I I appreciate you. Now, I was going to make a joke with Leanne, is when I heard Lola, I didn't click on Leanne. So when Mm -hmm. I voice i'm like snap those two sound alike and then i <laughs> like, 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> you got that's the one. I went, that's what Lola said. Wait a minute. <laughs> Power of branding. Power of branding. I yep. love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. But at least I sound consistent throughout everything. Yes. But thank you again for joining us. Um, we will be sharing more information on how to connect with the lovely Clement Dwyer on our Instagram page. Like he said before, you can find out more about what he does at www.clementdwyer.com. And we will also be linking his Instagram and his socials as well. So thank you again for a wonderful day and a wonderful evening. Thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, I'm one of your lovely hosts, Lola. Holla. <laughs> and on the other half, at the Hill Diva. And we are signing out with Mr. Clement Dwyer. Say bye. Good night. Bye. Yeah.